4: on this Tuesday night. About two and a half hours, actually, from tip-off. Ole Miss in South Carolina with a 5.30 start tonight. Games on the SEC Network. Mississippi State will wait another day uh, until they have a late tip-off at home against uh, Georgia tomorrow night at Humphrey Coliseum in Starkville. That's the 8 o'clock game tomorrow night. Good afternoon and welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Super Talk TV. And on your Super Talk Mississippi radio stations. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, home of the sportsbook. It's inside the Golden Moon Casino. You can learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Alongside Michael Borkey and Brian Hayden, I'm Richard Cross. We'd love to hear from you this afternoon on the Seaspire text line, 601 879 4395. Seaspire Customer Inspired. We are a day closer to the Super Bowl. All the pomp and circumstance that goes along with that continues to build. They get the Radio Row stuff going. They had Media Day yesterday. That is always quite the circus and uh, and a whole lot more. And uh, we've got guests coming up this afternoon uh, in about half an hour. Our good friend Steve Azar will join us. Um, you may have seen the news this morning that country music superstar Toby Keith passed away at the age of 62 from stomach cancer. Just miserable. If you'd seen pictures of him in the last six months or a year, you see how he is so much different looking and what that disease did to his body just ravaged him. Um, I, You know how there's some musicians where it feels like you kind of know most of their songs, but until you really stop and think about it, you don't realize just how deep their catalog is.
5: Yeah, he's one.
4: Toby Keith's a guy that falls into that category. Anyway, Steve Azar is going to join us uh, at 337. I think he's got some Toby Keith stories, and uh, we'll share a little bit with him. Also, Mark Wise going to join us on the Farm Bureau guest line in the 4 o'clock hour. He, uh, earlier today, landed at Golden Triangle Regional Airport scooting over to Starkville. He's got that Mississippi State-Georgia game uh, tomorrow night. So we will talk with Mark and uh, get his thoughts on that matchup and regular SEC basketball stuff. Hey, Dad, can you – I I know that country music is not necessarily your genre, but Toby Keith is kind of everybody's genre, at least to to some degree. You're familiar with plenty of Toby Keith songs, Right.
2: Yes, I, I know who Toby Keith is, yes. I
5: know that yes. you know I have a Toby Keith
2: song on the, on the Spotify. Which one? Which one? Uh, as good as I once was.
4: There you go. Should have been a cowboy, courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Some people didn't like that one. Some people absolutely loved it. Uh, as good as I once was, how do you like me now? Living in your radio, how do you like me now? I wrote your number on the 50-yard line. Beer for My Horses? Yeah. Wish I didn't know now what I didn't know then? Oh, man. A little less talk and a lot more action. Beer for My Horses. The Incomparable Weed with Willie. <laughs> I listened to that one again this morning just for the fun of it. Yeah, I'll Never Smoke Weed with Willie Again. Uh, Red Solo Cup? I mean, just banger after banger for Toby Keith. And a big Oklahoma fan. Yeah, big usually. OU fan. Yeah, lived in Oklahoma, huge OU fan. Um, my TV partner, Taylor McCard from football season, he had one game this year that he and I didn't do together. He slid over to a Big 12 network or a Big 12 plus game, I guess it was. It was the uh, the Oklahoma SMU game. And Toby Keith was there and visited with him on the sideline
5: for that game. And You mean the classic SEC-ACC matchup?
4: Uh, yes, the SEC-ACC matchup between Oklahoma and
5: SMU this past year. Yeah, there it is. It was,
4: it was a streaming broadcast. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the case uh, a year from now.
5: Man, if Toby Keith doesn't show up on your 4th of July playlist, then what are you even doing? It's a reasonable point. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, you know, people put Born in the USA on there. No, buddy, wrong song. Something from Toby Keith. The I'm proud to be an American type music. That, that's mm-hmm. what that's what he was all about.
4: We'll put a boot up your... That's right. Rump, it's the American way. Yes, sir. Uh, 26,000 people showed up to sit in the stands. Not on the field not credentialed members of the media, to sit in the stands and watch the festivities that were Media Day at the Super Bowl inside the big Roomba yesterday.
2: 26,000
5: people. 26,000
2: people! You think that's something? Wait till SEC Media Days opens up to the fans. We're going to pack it out. I mean, mm.
5: you can't even tell who's where. I mean, they, they did have like a PA mic that they gave some players. Uh Mississippi's own Chris Jones had a lot of fun with the seemingly twenty five thousand five hundred forty nine ers fans <laughs> that were there, Uh and, and he let them know that uh, that he was ready and, and had a kind of a cool moment where where boos were raining down on him, and also Taylor Swift's boyfriend heard a lot. Of, uh, of that one when, when he wait, got wait, the Wait, he's but...
4: only Taylor Swift's boyfriend this week? That, that's... He's, he's Taylor
5: Swift's boyfriend.
4: But no, I, I mean, I, I when guess... When you're a player as accomplished as Travis Kelsey is and you become demoted to boyfriend <laughs> of, maybe that, uh, I, I don't know what that says. He's,
5: he's a Hall of Famer is, is what he is uh, on the football field. I mean, one of the greatest tight ends that ever lived. Playing across the field from another one of those uh, possibly Hall of Fame tight ends for sure. Uh, saw some numbers earlier today, by the way, that, that Kittle uh, is first in the NFL in explosive receptions, so receptions that go over 20 yards, and he is far clear of second place. He So the volume of catches he doesn't have in the same way that Kelsey does, but his are, are a lot more explosive, so a little game within the game, the, the tight end matchup, two really good tight ends, one is being used more vertically than the other this season, but no, I, I watched some of it yesterday. I actually get a, a kick out of the, the the guys that go there and troll a, a little bit because the players seem like that they're in really good moods. And uh, there's a uh, a pair of of hockey reporters with deep Canadian accents that made their rounds and were asking players like, "Hey, would you say you're the?" Sidney Crosby of the NFL, you know, stuff like that. Just hockey-based questions they were asking these guys, and they were all so confused. One of them uh, asked a, I forget what player it was, you know, th- there's a stunning lack of playoff beards uh, uh, around here. Do you guys not respect tradition? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. It-, it was really funny, but uh, nothing newsworthy really happened yesterday, but what a spectacle it was. Again, 26,000 people watched people Getting interviewed. Sat in the stands and just watch the
4: spectacle of the yep. circus on the field. Mm-hmm. But hey, I mean, if you're in Vegas for the Super Bowl and you want to take in the Super Bowl scene, why not? Why not just go sit in the stands and.
5: Uh... A buddy of mine made a good point last night. Those are 26,000 people that probably can't afford the $10,000 ticket to sit in the upper deck, so they figured we're going to yeah. go to Vegas, we're going to find a bar to watch the game, and. Might as well go try to see my guys while I can. Andy Reid was asked about retirement. He
4: said, my mom and dad told me this when they were working. They said, you'll know when it's time, and I'm ready to go right now. Let's go. That's what they would tell me when I was young. I was an inquisitive kid, and so that's the way I look at it. Somewhere, you're going to know when it's time. Today's not that day. Now, I don't know if he meant today specifically he was not announcing a retirement or today, like, as a a period in time. I don't know. Clark Hunt, the chairman of the Chiefs, kind of just was like, I don't know. He said, I don't have a sense for what he's thinking. I do know he's really engaged and enjoying it, and I have no sense that he's going to be ready to retire in the near future. But in terms of how long it goes, I don't know. Certainly, I hope it's a long time in the future, but we'll just have to see as we go. It'll be an incredibly
5: coveted job. I mean, every coach in America is hyperbole, but when the Chiefs' job comes open and you've got Mahomes on a contract with eight years on it, who wouldn't want that job? Yeah, it's a good one. Certainly
4: Certainly is. Um is it rude to ask somebody when they're gonna retire? Nah. Is that just natural curiosity nah, or hey dad, when are you gonna retire?
2: This is par- I don't know that I'll ever be able to. So you know, <laughs> I may either. die in this chair. The
4: the answer is as soon as he is able, but he just doesn't know when he is able.
2: Just make sure you clip that that the clip of me keeling over, Borky, because that'll be that'll get some engagement. That
4: would be good for
2: the social media numbers. It really a clip really of would. Hey a dying dot mp4. I'd have to post that on Fort Chair or, or or something. There he is. <laughs> he, he caught it eventually. He caught the joke. I was wondering what took you so long. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most inside joke we'll ever have on the show. Oh man! So that's not a cultural uh, reference that I should. Get. No, you're good. You're good. You should know. You should know it. Mm. We'll explain it to Richard during the break. We'll be back right after this on Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey,
0: guys. What's happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi.
3: a crazy one, broke into the stadium, and I wrote your number on the 50-yard line. You were always a perfect one and a valedictorian, so under your number I wrote call for a good time. Welcome back. Sports yeah. Talk, Mississippi. You, you, you owe me, me somehow. somehow. Besides, you had to.
4: Sorry, I probably should have just let it play longer. Yeah, it's all right.
3: I played my game, talk too loud. How do you like me now?
4: Fort Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. I'm going to try and give you some context before I throw these numbers at you. The uh, When you watch a college basketball game, when you watch the Mississippi State game tomorrow night against Georgia on the SEC Network, they will probably employ a six-camera shoot for that game. There will be, usually for for just a standard college basketball game that is produced on the SEC network, you'll have six cameras. Um, You will have a handheld camera under both goals. You will have usually two cameras that are up high. And then you'll have what are called slash cameras, which are kind of at an angle, usually just one of those. Sometimes for a little bit bigger basketball production, you'll have like on opposite ends of the court, kind of in the corners, shooting at angles. And then sometimes you'll have an additional camera like that's just like a little robotic camera, or I call it a snoop cam, honestly, right there at the announcer's desk so they don't have to put a person there to shoot at the announcers. But a lot of times you'll have one of the handheld camera operators come over and he'll shoot the stand-up or the pregame sitting right there at the desk, kind of intro and welcome to the game. So college basketball, sixth game, six cameras. For a low-level college football game, same thing, six cameras in a football stadium. You'll have two up high at the 50-yard line, one's more of a wide angle, one's a tighter angle have a couple of slash cameras you have a couple of handheld operated cameras that are on the field for the college football playoff national championship game last year ESPN used 89 cameras 89 for that broadcast 78 of them were dedicated to the main game broadcast and another 11 were shared with kind of their megacast platform so the Pat McAfee show that did the field pass deal, and others. For the Masters, the the, the golf tournament, you're you're, you're familiar, Augusta National. 18 holes. Think about how much it's spread out on the golf course. And that is the most watched golf tournament every year that, that you have. 110 cameras spread across 18 holes including dozens of operators that are carrying cameras on foot, walking with players in the fairway, behind the tee box, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so six for a basic college basketball game, six for a basic college football game. The big ESPN Saturday night primetime game probably has somewhere between 12 and 20 cameras. A standard regular season NFL game is going to be between 12 and 20 cameras. College football's national championship game, 89 this past year. The Masters, 110. And then there is the Super Bowl. 165 cameras will be used for the Super Bowl and the production on CBS. 24 of those cameras will have 4K zoom extraction capability. I have no idea what that means. I don't know. It sounds cool, though. It it does. I work in the television industry part-time. I have no idea what zoom extraction capability is. There will be six doink cams. That's cameras that are embedded inside the uprights.
5: Of the field goal posts. We need it doing so bad. I need to see those cameras in action.
4: 24 robotic cameras. 20 cameras embedded inside the end zone pylons. 23 augmented reality cameras. Five sky cams. I mean, it feels like they need air traffic control for the f- sky cams. Think about that. You go know, a big football game in Starkville, big football game in Oxford, big football game in Tuscaloosa, wherever, and they've got Skycam, right? And you kind of, it almost like it, it just kind of blends in now, and you don't even really notice it. But if you're looking at the layout, you've got the, from each corner of the stadium, you've got this long cable that comes down, and it gives the Skycam the ability to go up and down, and left and right, and front and back, and get high and get low, and it's really cool. it's like the guys that run that are playing a really high-level video game. They have their own separate booth and all kinds. All right, but that's one of those over the field. There will be five sky cams, three drones. The stadium is is enclosed. Three drones, five depth-of-field cameras, six different sets will be used, like for you know, halftime and pregame and all of the different analysts that show up, 49 replay machines. And each one of those replay machines will have at least one operator, if not a couple. Going back to your standard SEC network game, one, maybe two replay machines. I mean, if if things go crazy, you've got three of them, and you hope they all work. And we've had lots of games that I've been on where the replay machine has crashed. And there's only one. And so if you're ever watching a game and you wonder why you're not getting any replays, it's because the one replay machine crashed. They'll have 49 of them for the Super Bowl. Unreal. 600 different channels in which they can record and play back from all of these 165 different cameras and 19 mobile cameras television units that's the 18 wheeler tractor trailer television production trucks they will have 19 of those at the game guys i did a game in houston texas at rice stadium this year and i pulled up and i was like wait where's our truck or van or whatever you know the high-end grass cutting companies Like, not the ones that have an open trailer where you can see all their lawnmowers and their equipment, but the ones that have got the nice covered trailers where you can, like, put two lawnmowers in it and you can fold up the back door of it. We were producing a college football game out of one of those. But it didn't look like one that came from the nice high-end yard cutting service. It looked like one that had been recycled from a junkyard. Like, somebody had used it as a landscape trailer where they had stored lawnmowers for a good 15 years, and decided, you know what? This thing isn't good enough to put my lawnmowers in anymore. I'm just going to send it to the junkyard. And the TV production company grabbed it. It's not ESPN. It's a a separate production company. It's like they got it from the junkyard. They just threw some screens and monitors in there. They're going to have 19, 18-wheeler tractor-trailer mobile television units at the Super Bowl that is the scale of this broadcast i don't know how you keep up with it there's one producer i mean he's in charge of all of it you get one director that is calling all of the shots how is a director do you watch the feeds and decide what shots to call and what to go to oh yeah from 600 channels of recorded and playback material, and 49
5: replay machines. I, I mean, that, I don't know. That guy's nonstop making decisions and talking for five hours, right? I mean, just constant talking. Yeah, go to this no, camera, go to this camera, like nonstop.
4: They will actually have different crews, though, Borky. So there'll be a there'll be a pregame producer. There there will be somebody whose job is to produce the pregame show. There's a halftime production crew that is separate from the TV broadcast. There's a post game production crew. So they like silo these things within it. But for the game itself the producer and the director no different than if you got six cameras and you're doing a game on the SEC network.
5: Th- those two people are in charge. It's Unbelievable. I would love to know how much power that Five hours ish takes, and like a city of what size does that power, Dwayne? It's
4: not it's not a carbon neutral footprint. Oh, I don't care about that. I just just <laughs> curiosity is is, is, is how is much does it a, take? It is not a green production at all.
5: I mean, almost two hundred million people worldwide watch this thing. Dwayne
4: says one camera dedicated for Taylor Swift. I mean, you joke, Dwayne. But truth be told, it's probably more than one. (laughs) Uh, uh, Got to get those shots. They might very well have one dedicated sky cam and an additional camera mounted somewhere in the stadium specifically for Taylor Swift shots.
0: It's insane.
4: Steve Azar joins us coming up next.
0: I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: has got the red
4: Welcome back Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. Our good friend and colleague here at Supertalk Mississippi Steve Azar joins us this afternoon and I immediately thought of Steve when uh, when I saw the news of Toby Keith's passing earlier today. Yes, Steve, part of the the uh, the impetus for your show is, you know, conversations um, uh, on In a Mississippi Minute with people that, that you have interacted with, that you've worked with, that you've crossed paths with through the years. And I'm just curious about your relationship with uh, the late Toby Keith after his passing that was announced earlier today.
6: Yeah, hey, buddy. Uh, thank you for having me on. always yeah, love listening thanks, to thanks you guys. Thanks for agreeing to visit with us. Oh, absolutely, always. Uh, man, it's a tough day for country music. You know, besides being in, uh, in love with his country – um, love with his fans His bandmates A lot of them were the same people From the start Which shows you a lot about him uh, He was a, a songwriter who uh, You know, there's artists uh, I talked to Ricky Matthews today and, and there's artists that go in the room That just sort of are breathing And they don't really participate as songwriters But they, they get their names all in songs Because it's how it happens in Music City sometimes And then there's a guy like Toby Who goes in the writing room And he is the room Meaning he is a, he was a prolific, spectacular songwriter. He was in touch with words and and people's lives beyond his, and, uh, and he was a winner. We we shared the same label, uh, Mercury, and then it turned into Universal at some point. But he writes the song "How do I like How do you like me now?" about our record label president, which at that time told him that he wasn't capable of selling over four hundred thousand records, and that was as good as he'll ever be. And Toby always knew he was better, so he went off on his own. And uh, with James Stroud, who's from Mississippi, uh, ran the label DreamWorks. And Scott Bruschetta, who would go on, who was a radio guy who would go on to start Big Machine, where, of course, Taylor Swift happens. So uh, a lot happened there, and Toby sort of started that movement of moving from a, a big, powerful record label, the Dragon, if you don't mind, and going to get it done on his own. So uh, I always, always made the joke for a while that Toby wrote, How Do You Like Me Now? And I wrote on my Indianola record, I Won't Let You Lead Me Down, about the same guy. <laughs> so wow. we, we lived the same thing. And, of course, Toby's song was a single and a big old hit. <laughs> and, and, of course, Toby was in another stratosphere. He was one of the greats to come along and be steady. But folks don't know that there were tough times for him as far as him knowing he could, be, he could sell millions of records. And he just had people in the way. But uh, he ended up uh, doing that. And, you know, he's just one of those guys that the industry is really, really, really going to miss. And I'm going to miss him. You know, we, we were we were acquaintances from afar. We did shows together at times. Uh, I remember being on tour with Bob Seger, and he came up uh, to one of the shows. I think it may have been Boston. And, and uh, he came to watch the show, and he was just close, uh, you know, hanging out, and he, he decided to come do that. And we, we talked then. And we talked a lot. You know, we he was a really good athlete. We played each other in sports a lot when it came to celebrity basketball tournaments or football or whatever. Uh, he was a really good athlete. So, uh, you know, just one of those guys that was always good to me. And, man, it's just, it, you know, I had, if you think about it, Richard, I had um, Joe Diffie on my show right before COVID. And two weeks later, you know, he tells me after we're done, he goes, I'm, I'm not feeling good. And turns out he had COVID and he passed away within a month. And, you know, there's Hal Ketchum, who is a friend of mine who I wrote with. There's Dina, you know, uh, Dina Carter and I were talking about all the ones we're losing. You know, Charlie Pride, and we have just lost a lot of great ones. And there's a lot of our songwriter friends and Toby's friends who have passed. So we're getting to that point where it happens. But, man, Toby fought, you know, gallantly. But, you know, cancer, you know, he just he lost half his body. I mean, he was a big guy. And, you know, that cancer just wore him out.
4: Yeah, that's one of the things that stood out to me in some of the, the pictures that you saw today is because he always looked like that big, burly guy with the full beard and just kind of larger than life, and uh, it just absolutely ravaged him. So I- I'm really curious, Steve, about you are a songwriter. You're a performer, you're a musician, but at your core, you are a writer. I, I hope it's okay to characterize you that Yeah, way.
6: no, I would, I would say that that was always the first thing I ever did. That's the reason I ever wanted to get on stage. It's because so, of wanting to be a songwriter for sure.
4: When you say songwriter though, and, and you talked about the way Toby Keith went about it and there are others who are so incredibly gifted, does that just mean lyrics or are we talking about the music and the arrangement and the lyrics and the way it all works together?
6: It all comes out at one time. Now there are there are lyrics historically uh, that we've seen you know, with Elton John and Bernie and and they just wrote lyrics, and Mellencamp had a guy named, uh, I can't remember, something green, and he would write, write like, wrote the lyrics to on the Scarecrow, and he'd send them to him, and some other things, but Mellencamp could, was a great writer as well, and he didn't need lyrics, but every once in a while, he would see something great, and he would do it, but but he put music to it. Toby, totally, I'm pretty, I can say this from experience, you know, the melody and lyric come out together. You know, you sing things how you say it, and I know that that could be complicated. It was complicated for me to learn that what that meant. But we say things in rhythm. It's why rap's such a big deal now, whether you like it or not. You know, in country and country embraced it and all that. The bottom line is, rapping's not too far away from adding a little bit more melody and making a melody and making the move the the actual lyrics bounce a little more. You know, have to give them a little more curve. But Toby. It was all in. He'd walk in the song. He'd walk in the writing room, and he would. Uh, it was game on. It was all one thing, and that's what it is for me too. I mean, it's, I hear melody with words. I, I wish we could explain it, but it's always been the case. And at some point, you got to get good enough to write stuff that people are going to want to hear, rather than you're learning. You know what I mean? But yeah. but I, I do think that that's the gift that we had. Then we had to learn the craft and get better at. It.
4: You know, it's interesting you say that about rap. I mean, the, the example that immediately pops to mind is New York State of Mind. Um, uh, I, I, wow. not, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Empire State of Mind. Not not Billy Joel and New York State of Mind. Empire State of Mind. Jay-Z, who raps the song, but then you add Alicia Keys to that with kind of her version of it, and it blends in. You're like, I, I don't even know what this is, but it's amazing.
6: Well, you know, you know exactly. Go back to Neil Diamond. LA fine. The sun shines most of the time, and the feel laid back. I'm New York when it's I'm New York born I mean, like, if anything, he was talking. But you know, James Brown, you know, he was doing it. I mean, it's been going on for a long time. But the bottom line is, Kobe was uh, was a melodic genius, man. The guy had great sense for melody and how the words matched. And it, think about it. I mean, proof's in the Proofs in the fan base and the hit songs and I mean he had a lot of them. Now he had his core guys that he'd go to and co-write with because you run out you just don't have enough time to write everything by yourself. Mm-hmm. And, but but Toby was very capable had hits on his own that he wrote by himself that were his best. So uh, you know, Chuck Cannon became a big songwriter buddy of his. There were a few others that he ended up really taking under his wing. They took him under his wing and they were a songwriting duo. Uh, a group of them, and uh, you know, Toby helped a lot of people make a lot of money and have a big living, and vice versa. But, uh, you know, he had his inner core. His guitar player, Rich Eckhart. I texted him first thing this morning, and uh, he played with me for a little while, and then, but Rich has been with him, that was the mid-90s, and ever since, he has been with Toby. So that's a long time from the mid-90s to now. And then um, my engineer, Mills Logan, was Toby's engineer. Toby, he was using Mills before I was. And we, we shared that love of this one engineer that was to, to us the best. And we loved him. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, uh, Mills, Mills is sad today. And I, I'm sure Rich is. He, he sounded really sad from just texting back and forth. You could, you could feel the emotion in his words. And so we're, it's just another great one, Rich, that we're really going to miss.
5: I got to ask
4: you about this, Steve. We've got two minutes left, just because I've got you right now. Um, there's not a bigger star right now on planet Earth than, than Taylor Swift, and and she's yeah. like a, in the in the football news and everything else, and you know has another big night at the Grammys. What do musicians think of her? Because people uh, like like the general public is kind of polarized with Taylor Swift. You you have the Swifties yeah. who yeah. absolutely adore her, and then lots of other people who kind of roll their eyes and talk negatively. What do musicians think of Taylor Swift?
6: I got. Quickly, I can tell you that back, she opened for me in Pine Knob before she grew up. Uh, she was, my daughter, Cecilia, who's in New York now, is 23, was probably five at the time, got maybe her first autograph, and Taylor was probably 13 or 14. And the way she handled it, and, and my daughter's been a fan ever since, Taylor has handled herself incredibly well. She was in a genre where it was, it was the demographic was you know women from 35 to 40-something or whatever, and and obviously that wasn't a perfect fit for her so she figured out social media and with that she became the queen of it and i'm telling you i'm proud of her and the fact that to me there's the, the only people that i've ever seen get reactions where people cry like a lot of people cry in concert with elvis and the beatles and mm. it's her so and and I, you know you know Travis is playing the best ball of his life so obviously he's motivated and she's inspiring, but but uh, she once told People Magazine that my song Sunshine was her favorite song, and she went in why? And I sent her, we, you know, we sent her twelve dozen roses, and I mean, the girl, the girl to me has has represented the music industry as classy as you can do with being a teenage star, as uh, on top of it. I think she's remarkable.
4: Yeah, certainly talented. Steve, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you sharing us a little bit uh, about Toby Keith today, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon.
6: Rest in peace,
4: Toby. Love you, brother. Take care, Rich. You're the best. Steve Azar, uh, host of In a Mississippi Minute right here on Super Talk Mississippi and one of the most talented people I have ever had the pleasure of knowing.
2: From the eventable... Can you feel it?
0: Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. <laughs>
3: said, I've seen you in here before I said, I've been here a time or two She said, hello, my name is Bobby Joe Meet my twin sister, Betty Lou And we're both feeling kind of wild tonight You're the only cowboy in this place And if you're up for a rodeo Big Texas smile on your face. I said, girls, I ain't as good as I once was.
4: Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm TV and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Appreciate Steve Azar jumping on and spending a few minutes with us. Hey, Dan, I said to Borky when we went to the break, he knows so many people and he has worked with so many people yeah, casually, you know, do a show with Bob Seeger, and uh, yeah. Yeah, we're up in Boston. Toby comes by and hangs out. I'm like, what? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Taylor Swift opened for me when she was just getting started. Yeah.
5: yeah. Sure. Let's go. He won't publicly speak negatively about anybody and probably doesn't privately either, but I would like to run my Bob Seeger take by him. Hmm. Okay. Probably shouldn't do that on the radio if it's negative. Well, because I, it's a negative view of a different artist. Mm. Okay. Because I, I think Bob Seeger Bob Seeger has a tenth of the net worth as Bruce Springsteen, and I think Springsteen's incredibly overrated, and Bob Seeger should have what Springsteen has, yeah. and Springsteen you, should have what yeah, Seger has. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want to know what Steve thinks about that. But I don't think he'd speak negatively of Bruce Springsteen, so I need to ask him privately. How about How Do You Like Me Now? It was not about a
4: spurned high school girlfriend. It was about his original record producer who told him he wasn't good enough. And Steve wrote a song similar about the same producer. Oh, that's good stuff. That is uh, that is good stuff. It, you... you so Steve's ability to identify talent early, Borky, I don't remember. I think you were around for this. Hey, Dad, you were not. Um, Steve had a, a the Mighty Mississippi Music Festival, which was in, in Greenville. It was on the river. It was a multiple-day deal, a lot of music, and I mean, just a – Big party. We did a show from there one year. It was either the Thursday or the Friday before it began. And the headliner was um, a guy who at the time was not very well known, except for the fact that he had just won a Grammy for Newcomer of the Year or New Country Artist, whatever they call the award. A guy by the name of Chris Stapleton. Ha. Yeah. Yeah, he was the, he was the headliner at the Mighty Mississippi Music Fest.
2: I it was, should have got Steve Azar into coaching. He could he could have fought, found those diamonds in the rough for your team, no questions asked. You mean as a recruiter or for other coaches? Yeah. He'd, he'd, he'd be like, there's something about this Mahomes kid, coach. You better bring him in. Yeah. Ah, uh, You can beat out Texas Tech for this kid. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Nobody wants to live in Lubbock. Come on. Oh, man. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. I don't know if there was a joke in this. Somebody said, i got a question I'd like for you guys to ask Steve Azar. Is Gwen a real person? I, I don't know if there's, like, an inside joke there. Gwen is Steve's wife, and she's just as lovely as she can be. If that was a legitimate question. Uh saw Toby Keith at Thunder on the Water in Grenada many years ago. He indeed was a huge guy. More importantly, a true American. Yeah, I I was reading some stuff. Like, hundreds of benefit concerts for U.S. military personnel all over the world. Bunch of concerts in Iraq, bunch of concerts in in Afghanistan, a lot of USO stuff. Like, that was his... I don't know if it's right to say charitable passion or it's like that was just a soft spot in his heart. But he was very, very committed to um, the troops. Somebody sent us a message earlier said, don't forget about honky-tonk, badonka-donk. Actually, not Toby Keith. Sounds a lot like him. Trace Adkins.
5: Is, Are that, you your, is that one of your favorite songs, Richard? Um, no, but it's It's amusing. You do your morning workout with that playing in the background?
4: Hey, Dad, are you not familiar with the uh, Badonka Donk? I, I know what a Badonka
5: Donk is, yeah. <laughs> are you familiar with the song? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Let me make a note here. 35845. Hey, Dad says, I know what a Badonka Donk is.
0: Yeah. Noted. you just put I'm, that
5: on the. I don't wear. You got to put that on the on
4: gallows soundboard.
5: <laughs> Where <he> just, <laughs>
4: we're, we're it's something what else. What is this? He hits us. I know what a
2: bedonka donkey is. I mean,
5: I'm going to find something here that he uses all the time and label it. What the, the, the hell exact was that? Same thing.
2: <laughs> never said that. Must have been on marijuana. Oh, uh, never
4: smoke weed with Willie again, hey Dad. Never. Yeah. yeah. Party's all ended before it begins. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Let's, uh, let's get a little bit into the matchup tonight. Old Miss and South Carolina in Columbia. Big one for the Rebels. We're back in we, uh, after this.
3: I listen to that work. That
0: work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo?
3: Yes, sir. We got losers. Chain smokers and boozers and we got yuppies. We got
2: bikers. And we got thirsty hits. That one's familiar for some reason.
3: And the girls next door dress up like movie star.
4: Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for being with us, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, part of Pearl River Resort. Learn more at either Dancing Rabbit Golf or PearlRiverResort.com. C-Spire text line is open to you at 601 879 Four three nine five six oh one eight seven nine four three nine five. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business. You can learn more about them online at slash business. We have basketball coming up tonight. Ole Miss and South Carolina playing a uh, little SEC hoops with a five thirty start for uh, that ball game tonight. I said before the break, this is a big one for uh, for Ole Miss. South Carolina is nineteen and three overall. And they're seven and two in the SEC. Ole Miss comes in eighteen and four, five and four in the SEC. South Carolina is a three and a half point favorite in the game. Total is uh one thirty seven and a half.
5: Buddy, that line is interesting. Shout out PTG outdoors. And a lot of the public money is on the Gamecocks, and that line is not moving. No, it, and is, it seems uh, low already. <sighs>
4: yeah, based on the way South Carolina has been playing, right? Yeah, and it, they're at home. It, they are at home. Let's just look at their SEC games. So they they start out at home against Mississippi State. And they win that one 68-62. Then they have a blowout loss at Alabama. They're not the first, and they weren't the first, and they're not going to be the last. They lost that game 74-47. Everything since has been either a win or a really close game, and there's only been one other loss since then. So they won by two at Missouri. Actually, did that game, and that was before I think Missouri kind of went in the tank. Played really hard in that game. They lost by five to Georgia at home, but after that, they won big at Arkansas. They smoked Kentucky 79 62. They, They won that game by 17. They beat Missouri a second time. The most impressive win on their schedule. Is their road victory at Tennessee, 63-59? Yeah. And look, Tennessee soared 103 on Saturday night in Lexington. I think that gives you a little insight as to what South Carolina is defensively. And most recently, they beat Georgia
5: by 10 on the road. That was this past Saturday. Yeah. Protecting the basketball is going to be vital tonight. Ole Miss... Uh, a few times on the road this year it uh, gotten sloppy with the ball the ball sticking a little bit turnover stuff like that murray's going to have to be really really good for for them tonight and, and they're really going to have to move the basketball around ball movement's going to be important i mean you look at their game you know at auburn look at their lsu game i, I won't hold tennessee against them ball kind of stuck a, a little bit didn't didn't look fluid offensively And, of course, rebounding. Now, South Carolina, for as good as they are defensively, not the best rebounding team that Ole Miss has played this year, so maybe that uh, helps them out some. I mean, Ole Miss is one of the worst rebounding teams in all of college basketball, statistically. Like, not hyperbolic. Like, they are very close to the bottom in rebounding in the sport. South Carolina, not great at it. Uh, So so maybe that helps them a little bit. But protecting the basketball and... and, (laughs) ball movement, I think, is going to be vital. If it sticks like it did uh, on the road, and also in the second half against Auburn for periods of time, they're not coming away with a win.
4: going to see if I had Ole Miss's rebounding numbers. Um, Ole Miss's offensive rebounding percentage. Um, so Let's see. De- no defensive rebounding percentage for Ole Miss is thirty-five point five percent, which is three hundred fifty-second in all of college basketball.
5: Yeah, I, I wasn't being hyperbolic. They are among at the at the very bottom in yeah. rebounding. Yeah, it's
4: um, it, it's rough.
5: All right, so team numbers.
4: I mean, you can talk about individuals all day long. So South Carolina has the thirteenth worst scoring offense in the SEC, which means they are next to last. They lead only Vanderbilt, averaging just a hair under 73 points per game. And that's not good. But they have the number one scoring defense in the SEC, giving up just a hair over 64 per game. That is a really, really good defensive basketball team. Um, they're the third best in field goal percentage defense so they're keeping their opponents from making shots. Their three-point defense is sixth best in the SEC. They just do a lot of things well. yeah. This is not a South Carolina team that is blow you away talented. but they've got good players. Michi Johnson is good. B.J. Mack has been really, really good for them this year. But the guy that makes them go is their point guard, Talon Cooper. And if you have never heard that name, that's okay. You haven't been locked in on South Carolina basketball. They haven't given you a reason to. He's a transfer. He was at Minnesota a year ago. And he was seventh in the country in assists per game last season. And he has continued to play at a really high level this year. So Ole Miss certainly has got its hands full. South Carolina doesn't have an offensive player that is as good as Matthew Morrell. They don't have – Talon Cooper is not as electric as Jalen Murray. I don't know that they've got a Jamin Brakefield on that team. They don't have a shot blocker like Jamarian Sharp or Musa Sisei, but they're just really good and they're really tough and they believe. Michi Johnson is their leading scorer at 14.9 per game, but he's had some off nights. To me, B.J. Mack is the biggest matchup problem. You look at him, and he's like this big load. You're like, oh, wow, that's a banging around on the post guy. And then you look, and you're like, oh, oh, he's made 33s and he's attempted 99 of them this year. He doesn't look like a guy that takes 100 threes with a dozen or 10 games left in the regular season. He just doesn't.
5: Mm-mm. But he's been good. They need Sharp, does Olbis. They need him to play tonight. Apparently it's going to be a game-time decision. I know there are certain mashups where you can't have him on the floor all that much, but uh, I mean, you could see it. When Cissé had to sit against Auburn, they don't have another option if Sharp is not available right now. So they go to that small ball lineup, and they can just really get exploited in the small ball lineup if there's anybody with a skilled big. And You just laid out that South Carolina has one, so... Uh, even if, although he's coming off of an illness, he, he can't give you much. If you can just get 10, 12 minutes out of Sharp tonight, that will really help. Because if, they, if Ole Miss is having to do the, the small ball stuff, like they were forced to do against Auburn for periods of time, then a guy like that's going to feast on them.
4: Hey, is this a weird spot for South Carolina? The, the, they're riding high. They've won five in a row. They've only lost two SEC games. They've got a couple of great wins on their resume, and they've got a team coming in that certainly has been better at home but, but is at times explosive offensively, can do a lot of things on that end of the floor. It, is this a dangerous spot for South Carolina?
2: Well, it is isn't that Ole Miss is a good team, and they can go out there and beat most teams in, in the SEC. The fact that it's at home helps South Carolina a lot. If this was on the road, I, w- I would like Ole Miss to be able to win it. But at home, I feel like South Carolina can get the job done. I think South Carolina also knows that they're at that point in the season where every win is is pushing them up a seed line possibly. Yeah. So if they want to, you know, they, they I think they know that. And, and quite honestly, they're playing a really good brand of basketball right now, and I don't think they want this run to stop. They, you know, they're, 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 they are easily the most surprising team in the SEC, and uh, I don't think they're going to let anything stop that from now until then. Joe Lunardi in his Bracketology report today
4: said uh, a win, and they're chasing a sixth seed at, uh, at this point. And there's a lot of basketball to play. They could, uh, they could continue to climb. He said South Carolina is a rising sixth seed with another climb in sight. Ole Miss could drop to the last four in with a loss tonight in Columbia.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi.
1: Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait?
0: Yes. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Miss Kitty, have you ever thought of This may be the one that
4: kind of goes to the top of the list for me or like sticks in my head. It's like, yep, that's that's classic Toby Keith. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out Favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. Our friend Mark Wise joins us right now, college basketball analyst with ESPN. And the SEC Network, he has uh, feet on the ground in the Magnolia State as he gets ready for uh, a game in Starkville
7: tomorrow night. Hello, Mark. Hello, Richard. And I must tell you, the uh, Kobe, the Toby Keith thing is uh, is humbling, very humbling um, for all of us. Yeah. It was
4: one of those that kind of hit me weird this morning. We've talked some about it, and Steve Azar, who uh, is incredibly talented and is a colleague of ours here at, at Super Talk, was on and kind of talked about working with him some today. And right, um, right. He he was he was a passionate guy, and uh, yep. he cared about music, and he cared about other people, and he he cared about uh, uh, our troops, and um, just a, a neat guy, and certainly a loss for uh, for country music. And you're not the world's biggest country music guy either. No,
7: no, not at all. But uh, that kind of stuff really humbles me, and at uh, at times uh, makes me feel like what I do for a living is somewhat small.
4: Yeah, I, I think we're all kind of reminded that on a on a fairly regular basis. But it's a heck of a lot of fun too. What what, what we do <laughs> may be a little small, yeah. but it's a <laughs> lot of fun. And this year's Southeastern Conference race, I think, is a lot of fun. You got Alabama sitting with one loss. South Carolina, the surprise of the league at seven and two. You got Auburn, who's really, really good and has a monster game with Alabama at home tomorrow night. Tennessee's really good. And then a bunch of teams that I don't know if we know a hundred percent. And I would include Ole Miss in that group.
7: Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Here's what I have said: uh, I've had four teams in Tier One all along. That's Auburn, Alabama, Kentucky, and Tennessee. I've moved South Carolina into that mix, but if you're asking me to rank them, I'm going to rank probably Alabama first. I mean, but the rest of the order you can mix and match. And then that next group, it even gets worse if you're talking about teams uh, six through. Ten, I have no idea what order to rank them in.
4: I, I don't disagree with you. What What is Ole Miss on a given night? We know Kentucky's talented, but they keep losing games. Um, right? You know, Florida's had a couple of kind of miracle wins, and then had a couple that have gotten away. You know, is a And right. better than they're playing? Is LSU actually any good? You know, what is Georgia? What is Mississippi State? I mean. Uh, that those questions go really, really deep into the standings. I mean, I, I feel like Arkansas, Vandy, and Missouri are are – they've kind of distanced themselves at the bottom of the league. But aside from right, that, the,
7: we, d- we don't know what's yeah. time. Yeah, the game that I have, uh, G- Georgia and Mississippi State, I'm calling a crossroads game for both teams. Georgia coming off three losses in a row that started with that almost improbable comeback on the road at Florida, and then they lost back-to-back home games – where they played very well in the first half against Alabama and kind of got run over in the second half. And then with 10 minutes to, to, to go in the South Carolina game, they're neck and neck, and South Carolina throws this zone at them, and it kind of freaks them out a little bit. And then Mississippi State's lost a couple in a row. On the road uh, uh, something that they have not done all year. They haven't beaten anybody on the road, but my goodness, they have two what I call supersized quad one wins uh, in their hip pocket, beating Auburn and Tennessee. And they're going to play shorthanded with DJ Jeffries being out, got hurt in the Alabama game. So we'll have to see how that impacts them.
4: What's important in that matchup that you've got tomorrow night, Mark, with with Mississippi State and, and Georgia?
7: Well, I think it's uh, it. It seems simple, but uh, that's the what we're going with. It's literally inside versus outside. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Georgia in their game against South Carolina lost points in the paint by 16. They outscored South Carolina at the arc by six. You add those two up, and it's a 10 point differential. Well, guess what the game was? Hmm. 72-62. I think the same thing is true in the game tomorrow night. Mississippi State's got to win points in the paint more than they lose the three-point differential, and that's what it's going to boil down to. Whoever wins the game of geography, where you Mm -hmm. score from, uh, is going to win on the big board.
4: So Tolu Smith, um, he had a a good statistical game against Alabama, but the game was so lopsided, I don't know that you take a ton from that. In his two games before that, um, particularly the, the loss to Ole Miss, not his best outing. Do, do you see right. the weight? And I don't mean like pressure. I mean like the weight of minutes and the load to be the offense for Mississippi State on a night in, night out basis. Do you see that weighing on him a bit?
7: I really don't. Not right now. Um, I think it would have to be protracted over a longer period of time. Uh, you know, again, ask me again. Uh, tomorrow night, after I, I have the game, and and you know it's a tough matchup for Chiwa for for Georgia, and yeah. he's got to stay out of foul trouble. But that, make no, I I think Chris Jans is not going to make very many secrets about it. He's going to live and die with the combination of Tolu inside and Hubbard outside. I don't think that's going to change.
8: Yeah,
4: that uh, it seems like that's how Mississippi State's going to have to win games. At, and,
7: and it's also it. Yeah, it's also going to be a big game, I think, for Mississippi State because their next three, couple of games at Missouri and Arkansas at home, you know, if you, <laughs> coaches will never admit this. But they all look at the schedule and go, man, if we can get this one, we can get the next two, now we've got three in a row. And that, I think that's important for Mississippi State because they've got some winnable games here.
4: I'm glad to know that coaches do that because we absolutely did that (laughs) thing that you said yesterday. We were talking about this game and said, Look, if Mississippi State can find a way to get this one at home against Georgia, they got a chance to get this back to six and six with what, seven games to play in league or six games to play in the league after that and you know, make a march to the NCAA tournament.
7: Yeah, there were, you know, they got in last year at eight and 10. Uh, I certainly think you can get in this year at eight and 10, especially with those wins, uh, against Auburn and Tennessee. I don't think, for instance, I don't think Florida can get in at eight and 10 because they've only got the one quad one win. Now it was another supersized win when you went on the road at Rupp, but they need to parlay that into one or two more.
4: Let's talk for a minute, Mark, if we can, about the uh, the matchup tonight in Columbia-South Carolina. Ole Miss and, yeah. and South Carolina. We were kind of going through South Carolina's team earlier, and Talon Cooper makes them go, but he's not a blow-you-away offensive threat. Michi Johnson's production and league play has been down from what it is overall. B.J. Mack, to me, is uh, like I look at him and I don't – he doesn't look like what he is. Like, he's better than he looks. I think of him as a big body that's banging around down low. He's got 103-point attempts, or 99 three-point attempts on the year. Right, right. I don't think individually South Carolina is all that special at any position, but collectively, and Lamont Paris is getting a ton out of this basketball team.
7: Well, if you ask me right now who's the national coach of the year, it's Lamont Paris. I I don't even think there's any of – I think right now, as of today, he's a runaway winner. Um, here's where I would argue with you just a little bit. Would you agree with me that Dalton Connect is the best player in the league?
4: I think so.
7: I, I would take a long yeah. look at Janai Broom, but but yes. Yeah, he no. has to be in the conversation, right? No he nah, has to be no in nah. the, the, the best player in the league. I'm gonna tell you right now the most valuable player in the league is Talon Cooper.
4: I would agree with that. In
7: terms of in terms of what he gives his team, um he is off the charts in league play offensively. He's like 1.3 points per possession, 55% from threes, three-to-one assist to turnover ratio. You have to remember when you play South Carolina, two things are going to happen. One is you are not going to play a high-possession game. The ball, it, the game is not going to go up and down. Tennessee was in the, I think, 65-possession The Kentucky game was 62 possessions. They know what they do best. And in terms of tempo, they are going to play the way they want to play. The other thing is they are the best team in the league, I think, at guarding their yard, meaning one-on-one. They don't get beat off the dribble, so they never get into defensive rotations. And because you stay out of rotations, you're better defensively. So those two things, if you're going to – and for Ole Miss, I think you have to understand that. I mean, you you better be patient in terms of the way you attack the game.
4: It certainly is a big game tonight for Ole Miss. If the Rebels can win, it would be their sixth conference win. If not, they're sitting at five hundred and a week to get ready for a road trip to Lexington. So, uh, Mark, always appreciate your time. Great insight. Have a good call tomorrow night. We'll all be watching.
7: All right. Thanks, Richard.
4: Mark Wise, college basketball analyst on the SEC Network for ESPN. Joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. What
0: we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi.
3: We talk about your work, how your boss is a jerk. We talk about your church and your head when it hurts. We talk about the troubles you've been having with your brother, about your daddy and your mother and your crazy ex-lover.
5: We talk about your
4: friends. And- hey, Dad wants to talk about Hey, Dad. How many times do we have to tell you this?
2: Uh, I got a funny video I'm going to send you in the break. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Any hints
4: or clues or anything? Nope. Well, it involves that song. i just, I just That's tell you that. Um you want to be a part of the conversation you can do so on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395 So I don't know if you guys saw this on Saturday night Baylor won a home game against Iowa State and the officiating was bad Hey, that's Shocking to you? I it know. was a college
2: basketball game, right? Yeah, but maybe it was. <laughs> so maybe it was. Just say it was, yeah, it was worse than usual.
4: Yeah, it's worse than usual. During Baylor's win, Scott Drew was ejected for the first time in his career after receiving a pair of technical fouls for standing outside the coaching box. mm Hmm. And after the game, he wasn't given an explanation as to why, or at least he said he wasn't given an explanation to why. Mac Rhodes is the athletics director at Baylor. He spoke to Drew following the game. And then he walked into the media room. And when Scott Drew finished up his press conference, he said, uh, Hey, guys, I need just a second. And he went on about a minute and a half soliloquy about the officiating in the Big 12 including saying, I'm not somebody that calls the officials or calls the league after every game. In fact, I never call when it comes to officiating. It's always about we need to play better, we need to execute better, we need to play tougher, all of those things. But tonight was an embarrassment for this league. We have the best basketball league in the country, and the officiating tonight did not match it, period. End of story. The league needs to get better when we think about our officiating. And we have some great, great officials, but this particular crew tonight did not match the level of this game, and that shouldn't happen in this league. I'm going to fight for our program. I'm going to fight for our school. I'm going to fight for our coaches. We're going to fight for our student athletes. I'll be on the phone Sunday. Well, the Big 12 was on the phone with him. $25,000 fine. $25,000 fine for, uh, for Mac Rhodes, the athletics director at Baylor, for coming out and defending his team. I like the AD doing that. It, if it rises to the level of that, then having your athletics director go, hey, before you guys go write your stories, I need to, I need to say something and I want to say it to you so that we're sure that it's on the record. I can't remember an athletics director doing
5: that. No, usually they just wait to tell their side of the story. He didn't wait. He did not wait.
4: And my guess is <laughs> his fans loved it. His coach knew he had his back. <laughs> The players realize that the guy in charge of the department had their back. If you do that on a regular basis, it holds no, no weight. But if you've never done that before and you're like, look, we've got a problem. He says the league has a problem. Kind of like that. Yeah.
5: Why don't we use technology? In American sports? I say American sports. It shouldn't be because tennis uses it. Have you seen what tennis does if there's an out or an in call that's questionable?
4: Yeah, they do the little 3D zoom in.
5: The official doesn't have to climb off of the tower and meet with the other ones. And then they go to a little TV screen and talk to somebody in a different city. And look at replays over and over and over again, and then break that huddle, and then walk to the middle of the court and turn a microphone on. No, it's the second there is a questionable call, there is immediately the technology available to show you exactly where that ball hit. It takes five seconds. And we have football. We have the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. 125 million people here in the States are going to watch it. Another 60 to 70 million people worldwide are going to watch it in a league that generates billions of dollars a year in revenue. And there will be a handful of middle-aged men holding one stick attached to a chain holding another stick, and they will be measuring where the ball is on the field. Help me understand why we accept that. Uh, wouldn't our resident soccer fan go?
4: That tell us though that uh, technology doesn't always make fans happy either.
2: I would tell you that. I would tell you that in a heartbeat. That yeah, it is. It it, there's no making fans happy. No, but it's it's a question of can you make non-fans happy? I mean, when when someone who's not a fan of the two teams that are playing watches the game and goes, "These officials are terrible," that's when you have a problem. And I do that. In almost every college basketball game that I watch.
5: I've I've never seen or heard of this, but the text line says there are public tennis courts that you can get an app that will help you call in and out. Hmm. I don't know that to be true. I will believe this texture here, but that doesn't surprise me. What would you do to
4: make college basketball officiating better? Because I would argue that basketball is the most. Thank you. uh, The most difficult sport to officiate.
5: Would
2: the doctor said a good question to you yesterday, and you didn't hit him with that? We'll point that out. Who did
5: the doctor yesterday? Doctor Moore.
2: Doctor. Oh, Doctor Moore gave me a good question. You just
5: shook it off. Hmm. Would adding another official help, or maybe have one? permanently, and I know that this is an expense thing when it comes to lower levels of basketball, but at high-level college basketball, what if you planted a referee under each basket? You're permanently there. Because when you've got... You might extend some officiating careers. But you've got a guy posting up, right? And he turns to the basket, and his defender... Slaps the ball out of his hands. But the referees are not positioned in a way where they can see that and they just call a foul because they assume, ah, he went across his arm for sure. But their vision is blocked. Somebody sitting on the baseline, though, can see, wait, that's not a foul. He got all ball right there. I wonder if just an extra set of stationary eyes would help. Because like the Matt Morrell call at the end of the Mississippi State-Ole Miss game, refs had a bad angle to make that call. Somebody under the basket, though, would have seen that and thought, hey, hey, guys, no, 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 that's not a foul. He didn't get him at all.
2: First thing I would do is I would say any ref who adds a flourish to a charge call is fired and can never officiate a game ever again in his life. These guys who take two steps and then thrust the armboard, you're out. Nobody's there to see you, buddy. Just call the call. Yeah, but you want them to be into their job? No, I don't. I don't want them to be into their job. That's that's the thing. I don't want them to be into their job. I don't. They're not. Nobody's there to watch you. Just make your call, and, and let's go on with our lives. There's no flourish needed. So, so you, and there you, is you an would, app that uh, does this, by the way, Porky. I looked it up. It's incredible. You, you,
4: you would rather an official just give you a,
2: and then just kind of point his arm, just haphazardly. Yes, yes. I don't need the drama. The game is enough drama. I don't need it to come from the officials. Yeah. It's almost like they feel like
4: they have to rise to the occasion. Because
8: you don't get Exactly. I mean, most and especially of the time, when, it's the, when time, it's the the home crowd. You not flamboyant
4: crowd, uh, call. But, I mean, every now and mm-hmm. then you'll get that whistle and you'll get you like get, a double crow hop and then like a punch for a charge yeah. call.
2: Or somebody who just who comes in with a for a blocking call and they're almost giving you a crotch chop. They're just so like, ah! Yeah. <sighs> You know, it's, especially when the home team takes the block or takes the charge. It's like, we got to get these people riled up. Let's go. No. Have you noticed
4: how no. few charge calls there have been this year? Yeah. The rule changes. At a point of emphasis, if, you can tell. Oh, yeah, they changed the rule. Yeah. yeah.
5: Yeah, it's called really poor. Offensive fouls are rarely called in the NBA either, and, and you've trained guys to, as they're attacking the basket, to take sidesteps into a defender to initiate contact, and you get a whistle every time. It's ridiculous.
4: I just thought this story from uh, Mac Rhodes, I mean, you know, $25,000, fine. surely he's not going to have to pay, like surely the department's going to pay that. They're not actually going to make him write a check for $25,000 for standing up for his people, I wouldn't think. Just take it out of the endowment. Mm, Yeah, it's easy to do that. That money's just the, there. You might as well use hey, it for just whatever. The, with the
5: way this is going, just taking out of the endowment <laughs> might actually be something that happens in college
2: sports. The, the first the first story that we see that is X University takes spends blah from their endowment in athletics. That is the lead story on this program that day. i and I'm starting the segment. Yeah, Cal
5: Poly like, saves well, their well, tennis well. program thanks to endowment funds or something.
0: Who would have guessed?
4: Shannon Winona says, adding another official would only add more fouls. Usually when a foul is called by a ref, the next call is made by a different ref, and the third ref feels like he needs to make a call. Yeah, I guess sometimes. We'll be back right after this.
0: It's sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi.
3: All right.
4: Debbie says we are uh, about 20 minutes away from something big happening in South Mississippi. She said we're about to see the SpaceX rocket go through the skies, hear the sonic boom before it lands in the Gulf around Pensacola. So this will be a water landing, but close to Pensacola in a
5: place that can be recovered? Is that right? I guess so, because I thought she was talking about how they're they're landing these things on land. Now, I'm about to send you a video. the The sonic booms and the speed in which these rockets... Re-enter our atmosphere and gracefully land after they're able to catch themselves. It looks like something out of a sci-fi movie. Like I cannot believe it's real. I'm about to send it to you.
4: So Debbie and Ocean Springs so that's going to happen around 5.15 today. So, all right, if you're on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, you know, 5.10 in case it's a little early, you don't want to miss it. Um, 5.15, SpaceX rocket coming back into the atmosphere and, Hear the boom and all that good stuff. Look outside and check it out. But you told us about that. I, I certainly would not. I'm assuming I can't see it from here or hear it from here. It's a reasonable assumption, right? Hey, Dad? I feel like that's reasonable, yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe if I got on, a, on one of those towers <laughs> that we were talking about climbing. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Debbie says she believes that this one is a water landing. So, all right, so that's uh that's coming up tonight. I was my guess. Uh, I know Heydad doesn't watch it, and Borky, you may not. But I have found myself over the last couple of few weeks being kind of locked in on the Big Monday Big Twelve games. You guys watch those at all? So, so two weeks ago it was tune in. Yeah, it was Texas and Houston two weeks ago. Just an incredible atmosphere in Austin for that game. Uh, packed house. They've got the new arena, which is a really, really cool arena. Um, and then last night, it was Kansas, Kansas State, a rivalry game. Was that Bramlage? Kansas State won it in overtime. I, I, I guess the question that I'm asking here is, We we have enjoyed this college basketball season, and we've seen a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of fan support return this year. Mississippi State had three straight Saturday home sellouts. Ole Miss had back to back sellouts um, at the Pavilion last week. When you're just if you just flip channels, and you you got ESPN and ESPN two or FS one or whatever, you're, you're flipping around. Is there a a a team or an arena in college basketball? I'm not talking about Cameron Indoor. That just about to say it just. I guess it could be that that just grabs your attention. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to watch, even if I'm not watching the entire game. I'm just going to watch for a
2: little while. Yeah, Rupp, uh, the big ones. Fog Allen. Um, I don't know the name of Michigan State's. Arena, but Center. if I see, if, yeah, if I'm if I'm flipping channels and I see Spartans or whatever it is across, I'll stop for a second there for sure. Um, Indiana, yeah, if it, was, it was Assembly Hall. Is that what it is for Indiana? Mm-hmm. Indiana, I'll, I'll stop at that. Yeah, the big the big brands. It's probably the same. You know, for I'm more I'm more of a casual college base, basketball guy, not the way I am in football. But my guess is football is the same way, right? Somebody's flipping channels and they see Alabama or Georgia or LSU Stadium. They're like, oh, I'll watch for a second.
5: Yeah.
4: Is there one for you, Borky? I don't think so. I think it's just because Big 12 basketball is so good across the board, and they've got so many great home court environments. Yeah, I mean. Like, Texas used to be not good. It's really, really good now. Hilton Coliseum in Ames, Iowa for an Iowa State game. Like, it's just fun to watch because of the energy in the building.
5: I, mean, I would love to see a game at Allen, but if I'm picking like going to a college basketball destination, it's uh it's at Duke before anywhere else. Hmm. I have
4: uh that's not for me. like I'd love to go to a game at Cameron at some point just just because, but I feel like so much has changed there with withshshesky not there anymore. and I, I know it's still good, but it's Kansas for me, and I don't think it's even close.
2: Just I raised a good point on a, a podcast I listened to today, like why does Duke North Carolina feel so much more important when it's at Cameron? like if you're watching in that game and it's at it's at the Dean Dome, you're just like it's just another college basketball game, but at Cameron it's oh my God, it's Duke North Carolina yeah, that's a
4: really good point, point. and maybe it's just the intimacy I mean the Dean Dome's just so they had twenty one thousand at that game on Saturday yeah. there'll be nine thousand. Or 8,700 or whatever the number is when it's at uh, Cameron. Um, Cameron Indoor has a reputation of being small, no, but the Pavilion is only a little bigger. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cameron's always been small. James and Hattiesburg says Wichita State and Creighton. No joke. Love watching those two. Yeah, Wichita State's really good, and Creighton is really, really good. Had a couple of people mention Hinkle. Hinkle House where Butler plays their games. That's a cool spot. You gotta be kind of on like FS1, FS2 radar, though, if you're gonna find those games. So. Uh Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at Supertalk.fm, Super Talk TV. College football fix
0: is next. Now, back to Sports Talk, Mississippi. There doesn't get any better than this. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
4: Five o'clock hour with you on this Tuesday afternoon, the 6th of February, alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borke. I'm Richard Cross. We welcome you back to the show in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of big time entertainment. You got lots of stuff that is coming up at Pearl River Resort as we move through the spring and into the early part of the summer. We've told you that the Ron White Comedy Show is sold out at the Silver Star Convention Center. Tickets still available for Cool in the Gang. That's on March 16th at 8 p.m. And then the Wallflowers coming your way May 4th at the Silver Star Convention Center. Tickets available online at PearlRiverResort.com. And don't miss Brian McKnight. That's Saturday, June 29th. Again, get your tickets at PearlRiverResort.com. Ceasefire text line is open. 601-879-4395. It's 601-879-4395. If you haven't been there lately, check out ceasefire.com. All kinds of promotions for you, whether it's a pre-played plan from Ceasefire or your ability to get a new device for free. No trade-in needed with a new line. If you want the new Samsung Galaxy S24, visit them online for details. Cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. What do you think? A college football fix? Let's. College football fix is driven by Ford in your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Go to buyfordnow.com and to find out why the best selling trucks are filled for tough. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealers today. So it's a little quiet on the college football front. Although, Hey Dad, you did break some news to me this morning. Tomorrow is an important day historically on the college football calendar. Tomorrow is funny. It's
5: National Signing Day. First Wednesday well, <laughs> in no. the month of February. Yeah. That that's tomorrow. You know, that this they, they need to get rid of the December signing period. They gotta get rid of it. Have to.
2: Have to. No. Just get, get get rid of this one. But here's why. I mean, I, 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 I know relations. what you're
5: saying. I know. Oh, okay. I, I mean, the, if the, coach, I the coach is whining. What I mean, Hugh Freeze, I know he cried about, Oh, I had to recruit, and that's why I couldn't coach my ball game. But that was a dumb excuse. No, I, I, from a public relations perspective, there's nothing going on in the college football world right now. Nothing. We're a month away from spring practice plus. Nothing's going on. Portal's closed. This is when you have signing day. Get yourselves back in the news cycle for a week. It is completely lost when it currently happens. Completely, completely. buried.
4: You remember that? I mean, there, there used to know. be wall-to-wall coverage of
2: signing day. And it would be that if it were happening this week. Well, like five years ago, when I first started with this show, I, we would all be in Jackson tomorrow. We would, yep. would want to do the show together to talk about signing day. Yeah. A bit different now. Yeah, now it's like, I mean, I don't. I the state might get one guy. I don't know for sure Borky, but I don't think Ole Miss is expecting any high school or JUCO guys tomorrow. Are they? Do not think so. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
5: uh, there might be one. There might be a junior college wide receiver that that will sign tomorrow. Well, there you go. But he's already That's committed. So yeah. There you, go. there you go. So. uh so with
4: not a lot happening, let's let's look at Week One. Of the schedule. Week one of the college football schedule. We're talking about the weekend of August the 29th. There you go. Hey, Dad, just got giddy. <laughs> These opening week games, largely, there they're are a couple. There are a couple
5: that are a little bit different. Western Kentucky is at Alabama. Ooh, the, the hype around that game is going to be Disgusting. Kalen Boer's first game, Alabama after Nick Saban. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to watch it. Oh, I
4: disagree. Lots of people will watch it. Alabama fans will watch it. Because it's Alabama. Um, Alabama fans are going to be disappointed after this game. Their offense may look great. But Western Kentucky is going to score some points on them.
5: Oh, that's going to be so funny! Watch them score in the opening possession. Just one, just one touchdown on the opening possession, and what that's going I to think, do to those people. I think
2: I would pay a hundred bucks for that to happen. Just, just draw. I mean, and and not. I don't want a, a fluky broken coverage, and it's an. I want a twelve-play, seventy-nine-yard drive <laughs> that scores a touchdown on <laughs> Alabama. Yes,
4: with with two converted
2: fourth downs. Oh, yeah,
4: yeah. And a
2: third and 16 that they convert, too.
4: Uh, opportunity for Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks to get off to a good start with Arkansas Pine Bluff on the opening weekend. Um, <laughs> Better. It feels like Auburn will get off to a good start and score a lot of points against Alabama A&M in Week 1. Better. And then there's Miami at... Florida. Ooh, uh, brother? Ooh,
2: two brother, brothers? Go ahead, and light, go ahead and get that lighter lit for that seat. Just just go ahead and just be ready to put it on the, on the chair. Is that loser one, leaves one, town?
4: One way or the other.
2: Yeah, one of right, those no, coaches I, is walking out of that game. Going, with a great wrestling reference. Yes, loser leaves town. Maybe he'll be coaching the the rest of the season in a mask. And
5: Winter might not keep his job either. Looking at the schedules, but still, yeah, yeah. Miami has another chance. And Clemson in Atlanta. That game, it, we won't feel it around here. But because the games here aren't interesting in Week One at all, it's huge. We'll, we'll get to look around
2: a little bit. So, the, the, I'm about to make a comparison. And I know it's not it's not like politically correct comparison. I, d- I know that going in. I apologize, but you remember in like the early '70s, and USC beat Alabama with some African American players, and that was what got Bear Bryant to go, "Okay, I got to change. I have to change. I got to recruit African American players." I think Georgia is going to pound Clemson so badly that Dabo going to be like, "I got to change. I got to change. Otherwise, I'm going to get left behind." Everybody's got principles until you get punched in the mouth. Halfway, Mike Tyson quote. It kind of is, yeah. But, but I mean, if, if that game is like forty-one-seven, Georgia, I mean, you're Clemson, and you're Dabba Swinney, you're gonna be like, "What I'm doing?" You have to say it, right? What I'm doing's not working. Yeah. And but wasn't it two years ago
4: when Clemson turned out to be not great, and Georgia turned out to be historically good? That mm-hmm.
2: this game was like, was like 14 was close. To
4: 10 or fourteen to three, and in
2: those two years, Georgia has had back-to-back top three recruiting classes, and added to their talent pool, and Clemson has not. Yeah, yeah. The
5: the people over there are getting really restless. And there's nothing they can do about it because you can't fire him. You're going to pay them a hundred million dollars. Uh, well, I mean, I guess A and M did, but there's not the oil money in Upstate South Carolina like there is. <laughs> Don't ever. Da- they'll find the money somewhere. But somebody owns something they can a sell. The endowment. There is some restlessness with yes. with, with Dabo only on board because it, I mean it's a wins now business, and they are watching everybody else do something and. No matter how many times local media there wants to tell you that Dabo's taking the principled stance, fans don't care. They want you to win. That's all they care about. You can be the most principled coach mm-hmm. in the world, and if you lose ball games, guess what? You're out of town. So th- this is a catalyst game. I really like where Haydad's mind is. It's either Clemson's going to get beaten to the ground, and Dabo's going to finally enough is enough. I have to adjust, or this will be the game that we'll point to and say. That was the end of the Dabo-Sweeney era at Clemson. It happened that day. Or they can win the game and surprise everybody. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Or
4: they could lose that game, lose one or two others, have another 9-3, and 10-2 season, be right there on the edge of the playoff, and just kind of be status quo good but not great. And that may be I the mean, worst I get... place.
2: Yeah, I'm going to get hammered in that be. game. I'm I'm, I'm
4: excited to see an opening line. Southern Miss is at Kentucky to
5: start the year. Remember, that was supposed to be Ohio State, but uh, they they traded or flipped or something.
2: Last time Southern Miss went to Lexington, they won. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
4: That's right. And um, Kentucky lost its offensive coordinator again. Mm
8: Mm-hmm.
4: That guy loves to move. Yeah. LSU Southern
2: Cal in Vegas. The sphere needs to be the eye of the tiger. That's what I want to see. I want to see the, the eye of the tiger looking down the strip in Las Vegas. Let's talk about this game when we come back.
4: Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super talk TV. Take a quick time out. We're back with you right after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi.
4: Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Thanks for being with us. You want to be part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M Trade Park. Find them online at mtradepark.com. So much going on. It's the return of tournament season this weekend. U-Triple-S-A baseball this weekend UTSSA fast pitch next weekend, and then you got another baseball tournament the final weekend of the month of February. If you're involved in the scheduling of uh, your team or your kids' games, be sure that you check out all that is going on at M Trade Park online, mtradepark.com. Great facilities, great leadership. They run those tournaments incredibly well, it's easy to get in and out of. Plus, you got everything else going on in and around Oxford. Check them out online at mtradepark.com. M-Trade Park. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. Along those lines, Brad Freeman is the executive director of M-Trade Park. We told you a week or two ago that he is one of the officials in the Super Bowl. Brad's been in the NFL for uh, for a while now it's been really, really good. And uh, there is a declaration, dad, in the city of Oxford. Whereas, Brad Freeman has served as director of Oxford's M Trade Park since its opening in 2008. Whereas, Brad Freeman has represented Oxford in sports since 1985 through Oxford Park Commission activities, all-star teams, Oxford Middle School and High School, Mississippi State, the Indianapolis Colts, and the NFL European <laughs> League, whereas Brad Freeman, after his retirement from many sports, started officiating football in the SEC and served from 2007 to 2013, whereas Brad Freeman started officiating for the NFL in 2013 and has been in the NFL since uh, for the past 11 years and has gained expert, blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry, I can't do all the whereases. Um. Whereas, as proof of his excellence, Brad Freeman has been chosen to officiate this year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58. Therefore, be it declared Sunday, February 11th, 2024, recognized as Brad Freeman Day in the city of Oxford.
2: Great to see a great MSU Bulldog getting uh, his due in the city of Oxford. Love it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When is Richard Cross Day? It's uh, Friday. To, to, to be determined. It's every <laughs> most Friday. Every Friday, it's Richard Cross. <laughs> that
4: was well played, Borky.
2: Good job. Borky.
4: That was exceptionally. Borky, you're doing well good today. Well you're, you're,
2: you're in a, you're in a zone. Keep it going. I got I got Ross Bjork and now you Richard twice who's today. next. You yeah. got got me twice today. Made me laugh twice.
5: I love Billy
2: ah. Brewer. Rest his soul.
4: Billy Brewer screwed up the Brad Freeman. Recruitment So badly I mean, <laughs> He wanted him just to play football And not play baseball So what does he do? He ends up going to Mississippi State And plays baseball but not
2: football <laughs> Come on! I think it, it worked out for all parties
4: yeah. yeah Well, I mean Brad's daughter's on the soccer team at Ole Miss We're well, good for him Yeah all right. So we were looking at, uh, at week one in the SEC. LSU Southern Cal. I, I've I made some notes here. In the, uh, in the strange COVID year of 2020, LSU opened its season against two, Hey, Dad. Mississippi State. Against the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And, um, did LSU finish in first place or second place in that game? Uh, they finished second. They, they did. They, they lost 44-34. They had a second-place finish. They did. They did. In uh, in the year 2021, LSU made a trip to the West Coast to uh, open its season. You may remember a UCLA fan mocking Ed Ogeron as he was making his way toward the Rose Bowl. and Ed Ogeron said, come on down here in that sissy blue shirt. And then uh, Charbonnet and company beat LSU 38-27. And then two years ago, in the year of our Lord 20-22, and 22, LSU opened its season against the Seminoles of Florida State University. In the Superdome, no less. A yeah, home game for LSU. And uh, I believe there was an issue with a, a blocked point-after-try, P-A-T, point-after-try, I believe that's what uh, the acronym's for, um, that caused the uh, the Seminoles of, of Florida State University to win that game by a final of 24-23. Uh, and then this past season, if I remember correctly, LSU and Florida State once again met on the gridiron to try and settle a football score and the team that did the most the majority of the scoring was Florida State. So it was LSU losing to Florida State 45-24. Four straight season opening losses for LSU. I mean maybe they should just play Southern University in on the opening week. I mean in 2019, which turned out to be a pretty good year, they opened with a uh, a monumental fifty five to three win over Georgia Southern. They just need to knock the rust off, kind of work the lactic acid out, kind of ease themselves into football season.
2: Ah, uh, so LSU Southern teams, Cal though, like, in Vegas to start the season. Two great name brands, but not I don't think necessarily two great teams in twenty twenty four. Yeah you might struggle defensively. There might be a lot of points in
5: that game. Maybe take the over early.
2: Think they might struggle defensively after watching them last year. Yeah. I think I think you might be right. And got worse personnel-wise. And then they don't have Jaden a...
5: Daniels. Yeah. Love the matchup, though. Love the, the willingness plays. to play that game. And what is it? Is it next year when Ole Miss is in Los Angeles?
4: Or is that 2026? 20, uh, it's 25, I think. Wow. That's right. By the way, Debbie in Ocean Springs checks in. She says, disappointed, nothing. I think my husband is full of poo. Poo?
2: My word, not hers. Yes. Uh, She used a dirty word.
4: So, no Jaden Daniels? Not sure who's playing defense for LSU. They're not sure either. But it's not really that big of a deal because Southern Cal doesn't play defense either.
2: Oh yeah, this should be a very fun, exciting football game. We'll get enjoyment out of it, but it, don't take, don't tell me that the winner is a boy. That Dave made a big playoff statement. I don't, I don't buy into that for one second. Oh, but
4: one hundred percent that will be.
5: Told it will you. happen.
2: Yeah. Oh, it will we? Yeah, also, LSU fans in Las Vegas.
5: <laughs> I mean, that, that's not the game. Doesn't even matter. We just need cameras are, how many lurking going? around Vegas. How many are you going? 25,000, 30,000? 20,000? Yeah, easily. Easily. Maybe a ton more that don't end up in the stadium, that just go. Yeah, let's go, yeah. Furman is in Oxford to take on Ole Miss. Yeah, Ole Miss caught a break. Furman losing a lot of guys from last year's <laughs> team, so. <laughs> The Borky Bowl. Unfortunately, they really are losing a, a lot of guys. I don't know if they're going to be able to match the success they had in, in 2023, the Paladins, but uh, yeah. So LSU plays Southern Cal on September 1st, and they play UCLA
2: on September 21st. And then at the end of the season, they play Oklahoma, because Oklahoma's in the SEC now. I heard that. It's crazy. Yeah. in case you f- uh, Eastern Kentucky so yeah, they play two in Big Starfield. Ten teams too. Bulldogs
4: gonna. Yeah, uh, I you know, agree. Eastern Kentucky.
2: I agree with what Borky but. said when a couple weeks after Jeff Levy was hired, like he may try to score like eighty in that game. Yeah, <laughs> He'd be like if I could if he could show off the offense in that game, he might just do it.
5: I mean, what reason is there not to do that? You're a new coach. You're trying between to get people State to buy in.
2: in. Yeah, between State and Ole Miss that weekend, you might see 130, 140 points. It's possible um
4: Murray State at Missouri sure Temple at Thursday Oklahoma night. Temple's starting quarterback for the last two years transferred away EJ Warner son of Kurt Warner okay so uh I, I knew I knew about him Temple up there was bad last year uh Old Dominion is at South Carolina UT Chattanooga in Knoxville to take on Tennessee Colorado State is at Texas. Notre Dame at Texas A
5: and M.
2: There's our week one jewel on campus because you know, the yeah. LSU game isn't on campus.
5: You know what I'm going to say on that Monday after that Athletics game? versus cultist Jimbo Fisher could have just as easily lost to Notre Dame
2: and you would have saved $77 million. Yeah. Could have just fired him here. Yeah. So you wouldn't have saved $77 million, but you could have saved $7 million. And And um, Virginia Tech in Nashville
4: to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. That's something. That is something. Huh. Good for That's Randy. a decent game. Yeah. yeah. Let's see what happens. And the stadium construction will still be going in Nashville. Sports Talk Mississippi. Never get We're back
2: with the you time.
0: right after this. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: South Carolina and Old Miss are almost five minutes in, and it has been a shooting show so far for these two teams. I think South Carolina has made five of its first six shots uh, including one three, they lead eleven to ten over Ole Miss, and I think Ole Miss has made what five of its first seven or eight, something like that. The, something uh, like
2: that. I've got stats
4: pulled up, and it's frozen, so uh, it's not good. I can't tell you exactly how it's uh, how it's going. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm, FM, SuperTalk TV. If you're in the market for a new vehicle, uh oh. South Carolina just going to go with the uh, bank in a three straight on top of the key. If that happens, you might be in for a long night. Oh, my like, God. I mean, that is, <laughs> that like, is like such not for a, a
5: bad shot. they <laughs> had like an
4: off-balance, like plenty of time on the shot clock, two steps behind the three-point line flat into the top of the square of the backboard, and it just goes right in. That's um, It happens. That's when you know it might be your night. And there's an offensive rebound. Put back for South Carolina, and boy, Ole Miss's interior defense early in this game has been non-existent. First two trips down the floor, uh, South Carolina got high ball screen, slipped straight to the rim, just uncontested baskets. They got a missed three from like 30 feet there, and um, Ole Miss is down 16. <laughs> I'm, I'm just now seeing it.
2: Jeez Louise. Yeah,
4: how about that? Wait. See, that's a shot that you shoot in horse.
5: Yeah, um, just so so bad on the rebounding front. That that one there, just just effort, just poor effort. And I mean, at what point do you try harder as a team to get rebounds? It's crazy. People always respond really really well
4: when you do in game interviews. I don't know if. Uh, you guys have seen that before. You know, you, you, there's somebody there and you're like, hey, let's talk to this person for the next segment of the game. I hate doing yeah. those. Sometimes they're forced on us. Um, looks mm-hmm. like Don Staley is going to be joining the broadcast crew after the break. So, I mean, you're you quite literally one segment of the game in, and you're going to
5: do a sit down interview. There's one that I'll never forget, though. I will never forget it for as long as I live. When Ole Miss was playing in a regional, and they oh. they patched Carl Ravich in to talk about Tennessee's chances at making the tournament, and in the little corner of the screen is the game that they're calling, and for an entire half inning, runs score, and they don't even reference it, they don't even talk about it. Postseason baseball, things are happening, and I'm talking to my dad about what do you Tennessee. Do you do Tennessee making. Like the following year? I mean, that was the postseason. That was the regional. Right. They were just talking about other teams, and and Tennessee was one. Oh. That they were, yeah, they were just kind of going through the, hey, what do you think about what's going on around in the tournament here? It's a lot of fun. It's exciting, all this stuff. And, like, there's hits are happening, and guys are getting thrown out, and (laughs) you don't even know. They're not even talking about it. It was unbelievable. A full half inning they did that.
4: Ben McDonald had no idea that was happening either. I would love to have heard unfiltered. Oh, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. He, he, said, he said, We're doing what? And then he just sat down and watched the game. Uh, if you were in the market for what? Hey, Dad, a new Ford F 150? Yeah. Bronco? Sure. You could be a Bronco guy, hey, Dad. You think? I do think so. I don't know. I no, not the Bronco Sport. I'm talking about the full-size Bronco.
2: Okay. Cuz you know you Maybe I need little, to go see the good folks at Belk
4: Ford. You can take the top off of those things and enjoy a sunshiny day. I'd be great for you. The one with the big mud tires on it, put a winch on the front yeah. too. This is you. We the need to get like you me. to Belk Just Ford on Highway it. 6 West in Oxford Toyota where they uh, they've got those. Uh, and F-150s mm-hmm. and used vehicles on the lot. And right up the hill, you've got uh, Oxford Toyota as well. Visit them online at belkford.net or oxfordtoyota.com. You can start your search there. Check out the inventory, what's on the lot right now. But go ahead and see them. Great people, dealing with them in person. They'll help you get the best financing available, help you get into the car, truck, or SUV that you are looking for, that you want, that you need, that you can afford. They'll take care of you. They're there with service after the sale as well. It's belkford.net. Oxford Toyota, Highway Six West in Oxford, and tell them please that you heard about them on Sports Talk, Mississippi.
5: Can Winter we get cross- to my stat of the day? By the way, it's been hanging out here in the coffers for so long, and it blows my mind. And I feel like everybody needs to hear it because I don't—I know it's you real, but day I don't the day believe it. Tell real.
2: us, and and you never told us. You said it would blow our mind.
5: Yeah. All right. It's time for the stat, it? the stat of the day. day. There's another uh, offensive rebound given up. By the way, stat of the day. So the Super Bowl is Sunday, and my computer froze, so I can't read it at the moment. Give it a second; it'll catch up eventually. You know, I wish I had the Masters music here to, to play because we have crashed. So uh, Super
4: Bowl 58 Eight coming up this Sunday. I believe that's what you were uh, referring to, right?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. With the 49ers and the Chiefs having no Alabama players on their active roster, a streak that is shocking uh, will continue in this game, or after this game. No player who has finished their college career at Alabama has ever scored a point in a Super Bowl. No player that has finished their career at Alabama has ever scored a point in a in a Super Bowl. 143 colleges have players that have scored points in the Super Bowl. And also the Coast Guard have a guy that kicked an extra point in a Super Bowl. Miami has the most with 84 different players. Alabama, zero.
2: So I know Mississippi State's only touchdown score in a Super Bowl. Did Eli ever sneak one in? So uh, we're not
4: throwing for a touchdown does not count,
2: right? Because Joe Namath would have one, right? He yes. For a touchdown. So throwing does not count. You have to score. And Stabler probably would have
5: too. With Brandon Bolden in the Patriots run, somewhere along the way, I would assume.
2: Did he score a touchdown? Yeah.
5: I, I don't know. That's who. I, that's who immediately
4: came to either either Brandon Bolden or Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. I would think somewhere along the way. Ben Jarvis for the is the Patriots. a good answer. Yeah. Um. Who did you say for state?
2: It's Don Smith. Scored Over in the nineteen Yeah, for the Bills, he scored their opening touchdown. Uh, is that the ninety-one Super Bowl where they lost wide right?
4: Yes, that was ninety-one. That was Super Bowl twenty-five in Tampa at the Big Sombrero, With Whitney sang yeah. the national anthem.
2: Correct. Correct.
4: Yeah. Um. I'm just trying to think through Alabama. Like I'm not doubting it. Like so, Julio uh, Jones. So he even played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he played
2: in the twenty-eight to three game with the Falcons. The Falcons won. No, the Falcons lost to the Patriots. They were leading
4: twenty-eight to three. I know. I oh, know.
2: you just wanted to let me say it. I appreciate. Yeah, I
4: was, I was trying to trying to open the door for you
5: there to uh, to bring joy into your life. So. When when this stat was making its rounds, people were like, well, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts. Nope, you're not listening to the stat closely. finished finish, finish finish their,
4: their career. career. Their, career. Finish their
5: career at Alabama.
4: Okay. okay. So that's one of those deals where it's like somebody was trying to kind of come up with a gotcha stat anyway. Like, ooh, how can we trick people? Jalen Hurts. Um, that's crazy. I don't know if that that I'm as mind-blown as you are, Borky, but it is surprising giving the number of
5: players – um, Devonte Smith got close last year. Uh, got knocked out at the two after a long reception. Yeah.
2: Or you think that you know a pick six would have happened or something? Fumble recovery. Do we all think the Chiefs are going to win? Well, I think the Chiefs are going to win. So I don't know.
4: Yeah, yeah, I do. And it's kind of just like a. I don't really feel good betting against Patrick Mahomes. More That's than exactly what he does.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of seems to find a way. And the Chiefs really have a chance to pressure Purdy. And and the Packers were able to do it, and he struggled. I know his, his numbers were fine, but he struggled against the Packers under duress.
4: Yeah. Did we talk on the show yesterday about the season opener for the NFL next year?
2: We did not. We did not. So... The
4: NFL will have a Friday night game for the first time since, I believe, 1970. I, I think that's the uh, the note that I saw. I guess it's not the actual season opener. That'll be for the Super Bowl win- winner. They'll do a Thursday night game. But a Friday night game in Brazil. What's... Uh... What do we think about this?
2: I'm very curious. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine Borky likes it because high school football is frozen what happens on Fridays. <laughs>
8: That's
2: right. <laughs> you can't, you, you can't change your thought on this one. You've already no. said you don't like high college, football doing it. Should you be certainly reserved. can't like the pros doing it. Yeah. Or Friday nights. The NFL has rarely scheduled
4: Friday night games so as to avoid conflicting with high school football. Is not the result of any generosity on the part of the league, but rather a 63-year-old act of Congress. They're not allowed to do it. Um, But they can play in Brazil, and that's what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to do against someone in Week 1.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station.
4: For you, Ole Miss has hit 11 of its first 15 shots in this basketball game against South Carolina. That is 73%. They're down 10. Oh. Oh, man. That's with seven oh, minutes that's... left in the first half. They have hit 11 of 15, and they are down 10.
2: That's 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 not good.
4: 73%. Meanwhile, South Carolina they're only shooting 68%. They've hit 13 of their first 19 shots and 7 of their first 12 threes. Miles studi has got 3 of them. Talon Cooper's got 2 of them. Jacory Wright's got a 3. Michi Johnson's got a three. (laughs) Gracious. South Carolina has five total rebounds. Two of them are offensive rebounds, leading to eight points. They've got eight second-chance points. 14 points off of their bench. Gracious. That is some start to this basketball game. How about the fact that Ole Miss has taken 15 shots in the game and only two of them are threes?
8: That's.
5: Yeah, they're, I mean, they're conducting really good offense. They're getting good, clean looks and they're making them and they're getting smoked. <laughs>
4: <laughs> like, Ole Miss's offense has looked really, really good against and statistically one either the best or second yeah. best defensive team in the SEC.
2: And they're down 10. Because that. That's the scary part there, because if it does regress to the mean, you're going to be down 20. Well, but at some point you would think South Carolina's offense might regress to the mean yeah, just a bit they, as well. They, they should slow down too. But because they're, they're not they're a 58% him, you know.
4: percent three-point shooting team. <laughs> no. Nah. Here's my question. Here's larger Only question. Alabama is. Here's the larger question, though. Is Nate Oates right? Is this... Is this the most resounding endorsement for analytics in college basketball ever? That you bet, like, almost got like five mid range 15 to 17 foot made jump shots. They're only worth two points. I mean, the, the difference in the game is plus six from behind the three point arc in terms of makes, not points, makes. That's the difference in the game so far. Yeah. Is that your Is that your argument for analytics? It's a strong one. Like stop shooting argument, yeah. 15-foot jump shots. You better either shoot them from beyond 20 feet 9 inches or get to the rim. I I don't know. I mean, Alabama is the highest-scoring team in the entire country. The the offensive philosophy seems to be working for them. you got to have guys that can make those shots. You don't need to be, you know, one of 11 if that's how your offense works. But this has been something to start this game. Mississippi State and Georgia tomorrow night.
5: There's another mid-range jumper. That time it's a miss. Man, South Carolina's run to the Final Four
2: was 2017. It was that long ago. That was Frank Martin's only when he was there. That was his only tournament appearance. Yeah, I don't think enough people realize that. Yeah.
4: Uh, South Carolina just threw a 45 foot entry pass to the rim for another layup.
2: I mean, it Chris was beard a, a, must be it must be coming out of his skin right now. There's no way he's he's not just about to lose it. Yeah. Because everything about his DNA, everywhere he's been,
4: has been defense. Defense. And. Goodness.
5: They're not playing a lick of it right now. Auburn scored 56 in the second half. South Carolina's got 35.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What are they, at the eight-minute mark? So, six and a half.
8: Okay.
5: 91 points given up in Oof. 34 minutes of basketball. You tell me if Mike
4: in Oxford's counting down. He sends us a message that says, one week and 11 hours from now, I will be Hawaii-bound.
2: <laughs> He's ready. He
4: is ready to go to Honolulu for college baseball. Um. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. We'll the full recap of the Ole Miss-South Carolina game for you tomorrow. We'll look to Mississippi State's matchup with the Georgia Bulldogs. If you've missed any of the show, you can always get it on demand at supertalk.fm or wherever you get your podcast. From Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Have a great night.